1: Good morning, White Sox fans. I'm Jim Margulis, and this is your White Sox wake-up call for August 31st, 2022. About an hour before first pitch on Tuesday night, the White Sox announced that Tony Larusa had to miss the game, quote, at the direction of his doctors, unquote, and that he'd undergo further testing the following day. Miguel Cairo managed in his stead, and after the game, nobody had any updates. From Cairo to various players, everybody expressed surprise. Larossa had gone through his pregame routine with the media session and was seen talking to Rick Hahn during batting practice. Larussa has missed games before, including the Field of Dreams game last year, but those absences weren't accompanied by press releases and video board announcements. It's a weird situation, and because the White Sox often choose the messiest possible path with the way they hire and fire managers, it's easy to form theories. I can see a whole range of possibilities from truly worrisome to truly cynical, but there are no extra points for guessing correctly, so I think it's better to hold off and wait for official word. As for the game on Tuesday night, the change at the top couldn't prevent the White Sox from losing a fourth straight game and dropping yet another series opener, this one 9-7 to the Kansas City Royals. The White Sox are now 14-28 in series openers, and they've also officially lost the season series to the Royals, who have won 10 of 17 games against the Sox with two to play. In what I suppose is a refreshing twist, you can't blame the offense for this one. The Sox scored seven runs for the first time in more than three weeks. Gavin Sheets homered twice and Aloy Jimenez once. They chased Brady Singer from the game with a four-run fifth inning. If you had to quibble, you could say that they should have scored before the game's halfway point, but they made it count. Just when it looked like Singer would complete five easy innings, the Sox strung together five consecutive two-out hits, including a three-run shot by Sheets, to shock Mike Matheny into an unexpected pitching change. The bigger problem is that the Sox trailed 5-0 at the time because Lucas Giolito couldn't keep the Royals off the board after a scoreless first. He gave up a solo shot to Nick Prado in the second, a two-run shot to Sal Perez and a fastball well off the plate in the third inning, and a second solo shot to Prado in the fourth. Perez then got Giolito again in the fifth by singling on a slider off the plate to score Bobby Witt Jr. after a one-out double. But the game pivoted for good in the sixth. After Giolito struck out Hunter Dozier to bring up Prado and another lefty in Michael Massey behind him, Cairo went to the bullpen. The timing was fine, but his choice of Tanner Banks risked backfiring because Banks is a lefty who struggles against lefties. Left-handed hitters have a 787 OPS against him, as opposed to a 520 OPS by righties. Anyway, Prado singled, Massey doubled, and then he walked Brent Rooker to load the bases. Banks did get lefty Nicky Lopez to line up to center without getting a runner home for the second out, and that's when Cairo went to the bullpen again for Jimmy Lambert. Lambert kinda did his job by getting a weak fly to right center, but Gavin Sheets, bless his heart, couldn't get there with a diving catch that was just as funny as I expected to be, like a seal rolling off a pier. Anyway, two runs scored, a one-run game became a three-run game, and the Sox couldn't really challenge from there, even though Jimenez homered off Carlos Hernandez in the 7th, and Sheets again, this time off Scott Barlow in the ninth. The Royals actually scored in innings two through eight, including Jake Diekman failing to retire lefty to strand inherited runners with two outs in the seventh, and Joe Kelly giving up a solo shot after shaking off two signs in the eighth. Only Jose Ruiz escaped the game unscathed, striking out two in a perfect ninth. The White Sox are now 63-66, and 66, and three games under five hundred for the first time since July 12th. They're also no longer undefeated in the nine games where they've homered thrice. And in the most relevant number, they're six games back of the Guardians with 33 games to play. None of the math is on their side. The White Sox will try to end their four-game losing streak tonight when Lance Lynn takes the mound against Chris Bubitch. The White Sox faced Bubich on August 10th and needed extra shots against him in the 6th in order to score against him. But in his three starts since, opponents have racked up 27 hits over 13 and one-thirds innings, which is good for a 436 average. This will only make it more depressing if the White Sox offense falls back into the form that only scored nine runs in three games against the Diamondbacks. First pitch is at 7.10 p.m. Central on NBC Sports Chicago.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Down on the farm, the White Sox affiliates went 0-3 and scored a total of two runs, so there's no better news below. Project Birmingham got roughed up by Montgomery 8-0, Jared Kelly made his first start above Kannapolis and was greeted with three first-inning runs, but he found a way to finish four with no further damage, striking out six without issuing a walk, so it could have been way worse for him. The offense only managed four hits, with Oscar Colas, Brian Ramos, and Luis Mieses all going one for four. Ramos had the lone double, but he also grounded into a double play. Four Biscuits pitchers combined to face just three batters over the minimum. The depleted Winston-Salem Dash were similarly blown out by Greensboro, this one by a score of 7-1. James Beard had two of the Sox five hits from the ninth spot, while 2021 fourth-rounder Brooks Goswine fell to 0-3 in his three starts with Winston-Salem. Kannapolis kept it respectable in a 4-1 loss to Lynchburg. Jordan Sprinkle had two hits and Jacob Burke reached twice, but the Cannonballers also struck out 14 times without drawing a walk. As for Charlotte, its opener against Durham was postponed, which delays the start of Aaron Bummer's rehab stint. Around the league, Dylan Cease might have a chance to gain some ground in the AL Cy Young race, as his two closest rivals are dealing with health issues. The Astros placed Justin Verlander on the injured list with a calf injury, while the Tampa Bay Rays scratched Shane McClanahan from his start against the Marlins due to a shoulder impingement. Verlander's injury is said to be minor. McClanahan will undergo an MRI, but he and other Rays personnel maintained optimism that it's not serious. In the meantime, keep an eye out for Framber Valdez, who threw his 22nd consecutive quality start in Houston's 4-2 win over the Rangers. In other scores, Cal Quantrill led a one-hit effort as the Guardians beat the Orioles 5-1, while the Twins doubled up the Red Sox 10-5. The Sox are now six games back of Cleveland and four and a half games behind Minnesota. Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Toronto all won, so now there's a three-game cushion between the third wildcard spot and the first team out. The Yankees snapped a three-game skid by beating the Angels 7-4 with help from Aaron Judge's 51st homer. The Dodgers became the first team to 90 wins with a 4-3 victory over the Mets and Queens, and they used Jake Reed, a pitcher who had been DFA'd by the Mets earlier in the year and had been called up by the Dodgers just that day to close it out for his first career save. The NL Wild Card looks like it's down to a two-team race, and the San Diego Padres have a two-and-a-half game cushion over Milwaukee for the final spot after enduring more ninth-inning issues in a 4-3 win over San Francisco. The Giants are the next team behind the Brewers, but they've lost five in a row and are now eight-and-a-half back, so they're probably the closest analog to the White Sox in the National League. No wonder the Sox swept them last month. That'll do it for this edition of the White Sox Wake-Up Call. Visit SoxMachine.com to commiserate about the game and the night on the farm. I'll also be covering a bunch of White Sox-related news in a spare parts post, and I'll post the second half of the P.O. Sox mailbag while we all wait to see if there's anything else on Tony Larusso's condition. If you are new to the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to it wherever podcasts are found. And if you want to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash where you can get an ad-free version of the site and show with bonus content on both for as little as $2 a month. The second half of the P.O. Sox mailbag will be exclusive to subscribers, so this morning's as good a time to join as any. Thanks for listening to the Sox Machine podcast. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Jim Margulis.